Welcome back to the Gobble em Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill. All right, happy Tuesday, Hokies, and welcome to episode 20 of the Gobble em Up podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Do you need a car in Mazda? Head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda around town, and I absolutely love it. So if you need a car in Mazda, Duncan will take care of you over there. Find some of their new or pre-owned selection of vehicles at DuncanMazda.net. So check them out if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car, or more specifically a Mazda, Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, we thank you all so much for joining us. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go ahead and subscribe. Give us a rating. We would so greatly appreciate that. That would help us continue to grow and build forward to where we want to go as a podcast. You may have noted our, noticed our intro was a little different than usual today, and that's how it will be from here on out. My co-host Lance Weller is going to take the semester off from podcasting to focus more on school. I know college is definitely hard, so we totally understand where he's coming from, and we look forward to keeping contact with him. And we loved uh, Paul and I absolutely loved having him. Loved hanging out with him. He loved. I loved hearing his takes on Virginia Tech athletics. His, you know, his passion for Virginia Tech is it, it can't be beat. So, we will definitely miss Lance here at the Gobble Him Up HQ. So it's just going to be me and Paul from now on for, for for the near future. We'll 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 see where we go. But I will be hosting, and Paul will be our producer. So for Paul Duncan, our producer, I'm Carter Hill, your host and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Reminder to follow us on Twitter. At FQ Gobble em Up is our Gobble em Up podcast Twitter. At FQ Virginia Tech is our fifth quarter Virginia Tech Twitter. And mine is at CB Hill underscore 03. Well, like I said, it's just going to be me from here on out going forward and Paul behind the scenes. But we are going to be carrying it with a lot of guests. We're going to have a lot of fantastic guests on. And that starts today with Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. He's going to come on and he's going to talk some Virginia Tech football, some incoming transfers, some coaching staff moves. We kind of talked about it a little bit last week over the weekend, but... It wasn't a high traffic podcast, so we definitely want to be able in the middle of the week to be able to get his take on that. Then he's going to help recap Virginia Tech's 64 to 60 win over Wake Forest Sunday night in men's basketball. And then I will go over the Hokies 67 to 64 setback to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in women's basketball in Castle Coliseum before we preview Notre Dame this upcoming Thursday at 7 o'clock on your regional sports network. And then, of course, preview the Hokies in Boston College in men's basketball, which will be Wednesday night, 5 o'clock on the ACC network. A lot of ACC network games for Virginia Tech. I do apologize for the Mike Barber bit i think i was a little close to the mic a little hot and i may still be here just because i'm so fired up for this podcast but um just keep that in mind as we go forward but yeah mike barber from the richmond times dispatch is going to come on pretty much to to go over a lot with with virginia tech athletics so let's get started with episode 20 of the gobble up podcast presented by duncan mazda in blacksburg As promised, Mike Barber, the ACC beat writer for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, is going to hop on with us to talk a lot of uh, subjects in Virginia Tech athletics with football, men's basketball. Mike, thanks for giving some time today and hopping on with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. For sure, for sure. Let's start with football. Virginia Tech football, I talked about it in the last episode, has had a decent start to the offseason. Some thought it would be pretty tumultuous. Before we get into some names, what is your assessment to where Virginia Tech football is at this point in the offseason? 
Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit tumultuous for everybody um, because so many people are coming in, so many people are going out um, with the NCA ruling kind of allowing this past year to not count for eligibility. Um, it really gave a lot of kids a lot to think about. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the criticism of Virginia Tech football in terms of the transfer portal has been a, a little bit overblown. Um, you know, I think a lot of programs have dealt with guys in and out. Um, you know, Virginia Tech has had maybe a higher number of, of starters and guys who are playing uh, moving on and moving spots. But um, overall, I, I don't know that the transfer portal has been as bad to Virginia Tech as people think. And I, and I think you know, we'll talk about it. But, but this offseason, I think overall, um, you know, I think they're right where they want to be. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to get into some names now. Let's start with the big one, I think, the, in, in Hokies fans' minds. Straight out of Cox High School from Virginia Beach, heads to Clemson. Jordan Williams, the Clemson defensive end grad transfer, is headed to Virginia Tech. What type of dimension does he add to the Hokies' defense, and what did what did the Hokies get in Jordan Williams? Yeah, we're going to find out, right? Because the thing with a guy like Jordan Williams is, was he not playing much at Clemson because Clemson is loaded, uh, or was he not playing much at Clemson because he wasn't good enough to contribute? And there's a big difference and a fine line there. You know, when my career started, I had a coach tell me um, he had had some real success coaching at the FCS level, taking FBS transfers. And I said, why don't you just take like 12 kids like that every year? And he said, you know, you don't want to take another program's mistake. Um, and I think from everything we've heard about Jordan Williams, that won't be a problem, right? He's a good kid. He, he does well in class. Uh, he's a good practice player, all of those things. The question is, is he one of those guys who just needs an opportunity? And um, at Virginia Tech, there'll be an opportunity, right? There are some good pieces back on that D-line, but not a ton of depth. Um, Jordan Williams will have a chance to contribute, and, and there's a chance that that's all he needs. And if that's the case, then it's a huge pickup for the Hokies. Absolutely, yeah. And there's been a, a good mixture of names that have left Virginia Tech for either the NFL draft or the next step in life. You touched on the extra year of eligibility. And there's also a lot that have said they have stayed. Is there any surprises that you have seen either way on the spectrum to who may be staying or who, who may be leaving? Who, who, are, who, are some, who are some surprises for you there? Yeah, you know, you know I, I know Hendon Hooker was the headline grabber, but I think everybody around the program expected one of those quarterbacks, either Hooker or Burmeister, um, to move on, right? You know, they want to start, especially you see it at the quarterback position. Uh, you don't really share reps. One of those guys was going to move on. I think before the Clemson game, we would have said Burmeister would have been the guy to, to move on. And then everything got sideways with Hendon in the Clemson game. They essentially benched him for the Virginia game. And at that point, you kind of felt like, okay, maybe things have turned. I thought Quincy Patterson was a surprise and more of a surprise once Hendon Hooker left because Quincy Patterson has had a great uh, attitude and approach from day one. He knows he was a bit of a project, a developmental guy. Uh, he's had chances to contribute. He's played well at times. I, he would have been kind of the clear-cut number two um, in, in a sport where you need two quarterbacks. So he surprised me. And then I think the most impactful departures were the two linemen, uh, Doug Nestor and Brian Hudson. TJ Jackson you can throw in there too. But, I mean, Nestor and Hudson were starting caliber guys. They've started for this program Virginia Tech and Vance Vice, they've worked so hard to build up not just depth, but talented depth, like real guys who can come in. So Christian Darisaw goes to the NFL. That's a no-brainer, right? He's got a chance to be a first-round pick. Nobody would criticize that decision. But you have Nestor, Hudson, guys like that in the pipeline to 
to make the Lions strong. So I thought them leaving uh, is the most impactful. And I thought Patterson leaving to me was surprising. Yeah, I'll use that kind of to segue into my next question. I know even, you know, like a Johnny Jordan, who's a transfer from Maryland, maybe can fit in there on the line. Let's talk about quarterbacks, though, since that was kind of a, a main main point in your discussion. Connor Bloomrick, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, from Texas A&M. Yep. yep. Okay, so from Texas A&M. He's coming in to Virginia Tech, spent a chunk of last year as their backup quarterback. I thought I did see he kind of lost some reps there and then moved positions a little bit. Do you expect him to be the one to challenge Braxton Burmeister next year? I think that's why he's been brought in. Now, I think Virginia Tech is still active in the portal. Uh, I would not be surprised if they brought in another transfer quarterback, assuming they can find one. Um, you know, I, Braxton Burmeister, I thought, looked really good when he played. The coaches were really high on him going into last season. But his body of work is not uh, really that complete, right? He hasn't played all that much at Virginia Tech. So this isn't a case of a kid who's like a two-year starter having to fend off some transfers. I, I think this job is... Um, much closer to being open than some of these past years where coaches have said, hey, there's a competition, but but really we knew who, you know, who the guy was probably going to be. I, I think if they can add another transfer, I think this is going to be a very open competition. Now, again, I like Braxton Burmeister. I think he's a good player. I think the coaches there know how to use him. Um, I think with some of the pieces around him, um, he could be very good. But um, at the end of the day, I think you're looking at a situation where, they are going to try to add another name from the portal, and they are going to try to see um, if they can't really have a, a legit three-man competition to figure out where they want to take that position. Yeah, and I think you touched on it a, a few bits back. I think, in my opinion, the whole transfer, you know, the mantra of Virginia Tech struggles with guys leaving is one of Justin Fuente's most overblown criticisms that fans have of him just because of what they, you know, what give us, you know, they they take as well. You know, Khalil Herbert coming in, Raheem Blackshear. They've, they've done their fair share of good work bringing in guys as well, for sure. So I definitely think that's one of the more overblown criticisms of Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. That's me personally. I know a lot of the fan base would not feel the same way, but that's kind of my take on it. Hendon Hooker, you know, he heads to Tennessee. We'll see, you know, with, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's now out at Tennessee, which I think a lot of people expected, especially now with their recruiting um, little investigation going on there so hopefully he gets a good opportunity at Tennessee to play there I thought that was an interesting fit when he went there but I think he can contribute there I think he's a good quarterback and I think like you said Braxton Burmeister is the guy going forward but I think the competition's open and I think it's good to be able to bring in competition whether or not the Texas A&M transfer is going to start or not so I think that's that's definitely a good thing to be able to bring in guys and bring in competition. One more football question for you. Tracy Clays announces his retirement as a linebackers coach for Virginia Tech. I guess retirement as of now, he said he's open to coming back at some point, but he's headed back, headed back to Kansas to spend more time with family. Jack Tyler, who was a great linebacker for the Hokies in the early 2010s, is now the new linebackers coach. I think a lot of Hokie fans are happy with the hire. What's your assessment on it? Yeah, I think a lot of reporters are happy with the hire. Now, uh, things are very different at Virginia Tech from when I started on this beat. But uh, back when I started on this beat, you know, they were much more open with the media. Um, they would have these interview sessions on Tuesday and Wednesday where, you know, eight to 10 players would come in the room and they kind of spread out. And you could kind of work the room, right, going from player to player and talking to guys one on one and then moving on. And if you saw somebody had a big crowd, maybe you, you went to talk to somebody else. And Jack Tyler was a guy who he would wait for all the other players to finish before he would come in. He'd shower, he'd get dressed, he'd do all that stuff. He'd wait for everybody to leave. And then he'd come into the media room uh, and he would have everybody's eyes on him. 
right? Every TV camera, every print reporter, um, every blogger, everybody who was there would kind of crowd around Jack Tyler because he at that point was the only guy in the room. And um, what we learned about him was a number of things. But number one, he's a very intelligent football player. Um, he was a guy who didn't just understand his job or didn't just you know make his plays. He understood how the whole thing worked. And, and when I say the whole thing, I mean the Bud Foster scheme, the way they played X's and O's. But I also mean the program, right? The, the things that happened in the locker room, uh, on the practice field. And he was just one of those guys that could really speak about every part of Virginia Tech football. Uh, he loved it, right? He, he's got Virginia Tech football uh, kind of deep in his heart there. He started as a walk-on. Um, in, in many ways, Jack Tyler is the classic Bud Foster guy. And when you consider Justin Hamilton played and coached for Bud, uh, this is a, a hire that I think makes a lot of sense. It's a good fit. It keeps you in touch with your former players. Um, a lot's made of that, but I think it's important that that's important, right? That's great that you stay in touch with your alumni, your former players. But I think it's important to realize that Jack Tyler has a chance to be a really great football coach. Um, and that's the bigger thing about this hire. I, I, I love this hire. I think it's great. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think it says a lot that, you know, that obviously I'm sure Justin Fuentes' staff knew before it was announced that Tracy Clays was leaving, but the same day they announced the hire, I think it says a lot what he thinks about Jack Tyler. But now let's segue into basketball. Virginia Tech now 16th ranked in, 16th ranked in the country at 11 and 2 and 5 and 1 in the ACC. Had a big win last night against Wake Forest, I guess Sunday night when the time this podcast was released, 64 to 60 in Winston-Salem. Let's go through some statistics real quick. Tyrese Radford had another fantastic game with 20 points. Hunter Couture, and how about David David Gasson with 13 points apiece? Going through some more statistics. After that, there wasn't much scoring on the Hokies front. Kevin Aluma with five, Nahim Aleem with five. Wabisa Beattie with four, and Justin Mutz only had two. John Ogiaco did get a basket as well, so he had two. Jalen Cohn was left scoreless. I think I, I I was watching the press conference last night. I believe someone asked Mike Young this question, but what does it say to the what does it say to Virginia Tech? Although Wake Forest is not one of the stronger teams in the league, to be able to get a win on the road when a, a guys like Kevin Luma and Jalen Cohn only combined for one field goal throughout the whole game. Yeah, I think it's huge, and and I think no Wake Forest maybe isn't great, but I thought Wake Forest did a great job defensively, especially on Jalen Cohn. Um, I thought they they dogged him all night. They kept people on him. Uh, they didn't let him. You know, the thing with Jalen Cohn's game right now, a year ago he was a great catch-and-shoot guy. He would post up on the perimeter. Somebody would drive in, maybe Beatty, find him, kick the ball out, and he would knock down the three. And that's a nice weapon to have, but it's not really dynamic. You can't really take over games uh, that way. And then this year, I thought Jalen's added the ability to get his own shot to create space with his dribble, um, to, to really make himself almost an impossible matchup uh, defensively. And that's the way he'd been playing until this Wake game. So a lot of credit to Wake for, for making it almost impossible for Jalen Cohn to get going. Um, he could not catch and shoot. He could not create his own space. But then a ton of credit to Virginia Tech, and in particular Tyrese Radford, for finding a way to win a game when that weapon was off the table. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure that was frustrating for Jalen. You know, that's, that's his home. He's from Walkertown, North Carolina, just a little bit outside of Winston-Salem, more towards Greensboro, but kind of in that area. Um, but I'm sure he'd much rather leave with the win. I know Mike Young was last night said that, you know, they got to play better, but you know, you'll, anytime you can leave the ACC with a road, anytime you can leave a road ACC arena with a win, you know, you're going to be happy. So Darius Maddox also did get in the game as well, but he did not score. 
Another question about Virginia Tech. You know, obviously they're right up there. Virginia, in my opinion, now looks like they are the best team in the ACC right now after, you know, Saturday's beatdown against Clemson when Clemson, I believe, was the top-ranked defensive team in the country and the Cavaliers put up 85 points. But kind of a moot point to what my question is. Virginia Tech, now right up there with them in the standings. Uh, right now they're second place at 5-1. and one. What do you think is Virginia Tech's ceiling this year, both in the ACC and nationally? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of the things a year ago, when you looked at Mike Young's program, they got off to a pretty good start, and they just couldn't maintain it. They didn't have the depth. They didn't have the depth. They didn't have the size. They didn't have the experience. They were young. They were thin. Um, So you kind of felt like, hey, Mike Young has his team playing good basketball, but it's probably not going to last. Now, this year, I don't see those problems. I I see a team that's bigger in the front court uh, that that can play. I mean, especially with Kevin Aluma, that's not just a front court piece. That's a front court star. Um, so I think you're looking at a situation now where this team is constructed, one, to play more the way Mike Young wants, and two, to be able to play that way over the course of an entire season. Now, do they win the ACC? That's probably a bit high uh, of a ceiling for them. But do I think they have a chance to be in the top four teams in the league? Yeah, I do. And um, It comes down to ball security, which they've been pretty good. They weren't great at Wake. I think they turned it over. Uh, 15 times. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was 15 turnovers in that game. Um, That's a bit high, but overall they've been really good with ball security. Um, And they've been so much better in the front court rebounding. Um, You know, the Louisville game sticks out, but I mean, the ability to, to out rebound teams and opponents um, that's huge. And they didn't have that a year ago. So you add that all together with the fact that they're playing defense at such a high level. um, I expect them to compete with everybody. They've already got the win over Duke and, and, and that's, impressive because of the talent Duke puts on the floor, even if they're not playing fantastic right now. And uh, I expect at the end of the season, we don't know what the NCAA tournament's going to look like, right? But if this was a traditional year, uh, there's no reason that this couldn't be a Sweet 16 kind of team. And I know that's probably early for people that probably, um, you know, wouldn't expect Mike Young to have this program in the Sweet 16 in year two. But I I think that's a very reasonable uh, possibility when you look at what he's built. Absolutely. Yeah. And a quick side note, I, I did personally get scared when I was scared that, you know, former Hokie Isaiah Wilkins was going to you know, come back and beat Virginia Tech. That would be quite the the full circle. But he kind of got on a roll there towards the middle um, of the game, towards kind of the, the closing minutes of the game. But um, let's go through some statistics real quick overall with the game itself. You were right with Virginia Tech turned the ball over 15 times. Wake turned it over 13 the Demon Deacons actually out-rebounded out Virginia Tech 37-30. to 30. The Hokies had 10 assists to Wake's 8, and they blocked. They had 9 blocks, which actually the Hokie women had 9 blocks as well against Wake Forest earlier in the day, so that was a, definitely an interesting stat. Um, the Hokies had 5 steals, and Wake had 10, and the Hokies shot 48% from the field, while Wake shot 37%. So that was kind of contributed to some of Wake's struggles early on throughout the game. The Hokies shot 22% from 3, so not very good there. Wake shot 30, so, you know, an okay clip. And the Hokies were 16 from twenty sixteen for 23 from the free throw line, while Wake was 9 of 15. Two more questions for you real quick. The bottom of the league, you know, you talked about Wake Forest is the only team now winless in the ACC. Do we think the bottom of the league is just not as bad as what people think? Is that probably a fair assessment to say? Yeah, I think that's always true in the ACC because of the caliber of recruits you get. I mean, I think you look right now and you look at um, where teams are in the top 25, for example, and you don't see the big names that you're used to, right? You don't see Duke or Carolina or Louisville. Um, 
so that's sort of alarming, I guess, if you're a um, an ACC fan. But you look at the bottom of that league, and you know, Wake Forest is a rebuild. Boston College, man, I really thought they would be better. Um, Notre Dame and Mike Bray, the way they run offense, you know, that, that's a good team, and they're going to beat people this year. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's easy outs uh, in the ACC this year, um, but there certainly are some teams that, when you look at Pittsburgh or Georgia Tech, um, that were maybe in that category a year or two ago and are showing you that, hey, you can move up in the league. And, you know, Virginia Tech did that with Buzz Williams, right? Like they, he quickly moved them up into the ACC for sort of at the very bottom, then the, the middle of the pack, and, and then kind of cheating and knocking up at the top. And um, I think Mike Young's doing that again with them. But it, it can be done, and the reason is, to your point, those teams at the bottom, they're not bad. And they're not devoid of talent, and they don't have bad coaches. I mean, Mike Bray is as good a coach as there is in the country, uh, and Notre Dame is, what, one in, one in five in the ACC right now? So, you know, the bottom of the league is always going to be dangerous in this COVID year where we don't know what's going to happen, who you're going to have roster-wise, what your practice week is going to look like. Um, you know, I, these standings could completely flip themselves before we get to March. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Miami is a dangerous one to look out for too. I think they'll be fine when they get Chris likes and Cameron McGusty back too. But yeah, I think wake will, you know, see Forbes can get that program going. Notre Dame will be fine. Boston college. Yeah. I think I expected them to be a little bit better, but I think they'll pick off some people along the way. So we'll see. It should be interesting. One last quick question before you, before I, I know you have to run. So I'll, I'll ask this one quick for Virginia tech to be that sweet 16 team or a top four team in the ACC, who needs to be their MVP going forward? Well, you know, it's funny because I think Keve Aluma has been kind of the star, right? Scoring and rebounding. And, and I think he has to keep doing that for them to really be an elite team. But to me, the key is always going to be Tyrese Radford. And, and you saw it against Wake Forest. Uh, you saw it all of last year when he played out of position. He had to play more like a four. He's just very versatile. He's very hard to defend. I don't think people understand how good he is with both hands, uh, getting to the rim, driving. So to me, assuming everything else stays the way it is, and Keve Aluma is a weapon in the low post, and Jalen Cohn gets going again from three, uh, would be Sabidi solid with the ball and a great on-ball defender. Assuming you get all the things you know you're going to get, it's all about you know Tyrese Radford and how good and how clutch he is. You know he, He's not necessarily going to score 20 points a game, but he's going to score 20 points if Aluma and Cohn have an off night. Um, and he might not score all your points in the second half, but he's going to get you some big buckets in the stretch of a close game. Uh, he's a really tough matchup. I think Mike Young is such a smart coach that when you need a basket, yeah, the, the easy answer, of course, is to go to the low block and get it to Aluma uh, or to kick it out to Cone. But in terms of being able to really go get a basket, to me, it's Tyrese Radford. And that's what separates teams from being good and great is if you've got all the good pieces and you're a good team and you're in a tight game or you're in a tight spot, uh, do you have a guy who can go get you a bucket maybe when the rest of things aren't aren't working or clicking or the other defense is great. And I think Tyrese Radford is the guy who can do that for Virginia Tech. I think you saw that Sunday at Wake Forest, and I think that will be a key kind of going down the stretch of the year. Absolutely. Well, that's Mike Barber from the Richmond Times Dispatch, ACC beat writer, covers UVA, Virginia Tech, and all the ACC. Mike, thanks for giving us some time on your busy day. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, Carter. Good luck with the show, and thanks for having me. Thank you. And a big thanks to Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch for coming on to talk Virginia Tech football, Virginia Tech men's basketball, including the Hokies 64-60 win 
over the Wake Forest Demon Deacons on Sunday night in Winston-Salem. Well, the men's did get it done against against Wake Forest, but you know who did not get it done was Virginia Tech women's basketball. They dropped one 67-64 at home against the Deeks. Frustrating start for Kenny Brooks and Virginia Tech women's basketball after such high expectations coming into this season. They fall to seven and four over seven and five overall, excuse me, and two and five in the ACC. They did pick up against a win against North Carolina last week, but their streak ends at at one as far as a winning streak, and they drop a home game to Wake Forest for the first time since 2011. So frustrating for for Kenny Brooks and Virginia Tech. Some statistics from that one. Liz Kitley, man, she was fantastic in this one. A double-double. In the first half, she finishes with 21 points and 18 rebounds. Asia Shepard, although she put up 14 points, did struggle in this one from beyond the arc. Michaela Ennis actually had a fantastic game with 12 points. That may be her season high. I'll have to go check on that. Asia Jones put up six. I did miss Kayla King with nine. She follows up a good game against North Carolina, where she put up 15. And then Georgia Amore put up five. So she struggled in this one. And it just was a frustrating game for Virginia Tech women's basketball. No one else scored for the Hokies. Azana Baines, Deja Green were left scoreless. So there was not much help there. The Hokies actually led a good amount of this game. They, They were trailing at the end of the third quarter, though. They were able to tie it midway through the fourth quarter, but the Hokies only scored one basket in the last four and a half minutes, and that was in the last second or last two seconds of the game. So definitely frustrating for Virginia Tech women's basketball for sure. The good thing for the Hokies, they they get a chance to bounce back this Thursday, 7 o'clock on Regional Sports Network, Masson in Virginia, Maryland, Fox Sports South, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Before we get to that one, let's look at some stats for the Hokies. Against the Demon Deeks, they shot 38%, 38% from the field, 26% from three-point range. We're six from nine, six for nine from, from, from the free throw line. We're out rebounded 46 to 41. Had 18 assists, nine blocks, which the men had as well against Wake Forest. Three steals, nine turnovers, and that's all she wrote for Virginia Tech Women's Basketball. The main story was they just couldn't shoot the ball well in the second half, and they could not get a stop. Wake Forest's star player, actually, Gina Conti, was out most of the game due to foul trouble, but she got going towards the end and still was their leading scorer with 18 points. So frustrating one for Virginia Tech women's basketball, but they do have a chance to bounce back against Notre Dame. Notre Dame comes in 7-5 and overall, just like Virginia Tech, but the difference is they're 5-3 and in the ACC, and they're led by, drumroll please, former Virginia Tech Hokie Dara Mabry, who transferred to Notre Dame. To play where her two sisters played, I believe Marina Mabry, her sister, her the middle older sister, is an assistant at Notre Dame right now under Neil Ivory, who is or Neil Ivory, who is their new head coach, who took over for Muffet McGraw, the legendary head coach there, who was previously an assistant for the Memphis Grizzlies. So she played at Notre Dame, so a good fit there. The Ho- the Fighting Irish did take down the Hokies earlier this year, which was their first loss of the season. Let's look at the the Irish's last game. They they got off to a slow start. They dropped their opener to Ohio actually before they have come back and just been they let's let's be honest, they've been good in ACC play. Their last one against Boston College. They did take they went they did win 83 to 73. Dara Mabry led the team with 21 points, Destiny Walker with 20, Maddie Westbeld with 13. Michaela Vaughn with 10, Anaya Peoples with 9, Sam Brunel with 8, and Abby Prohaska with 2. 
that was it for the Fighting Irish scoring. But they take care of business against a, Boston College is not great in women's basketball. They take care of business, eighty-three to seventy-three in South Bend. Let's go through the schedule so far for Notre Dame women's basketball. They did drop that one eighty-six to eighty-five to Ohio to open up the season before they took care of Miami of Ohio, eighty-eight to sixty-eight. Lost a close one versus Michigan. 76 to 66 before they, they, this, this is the game where people thought Notre Dame women's basketball is not going to be as good as they had in the years past. IUPI slimmed them out or I, 65 to 58. I guess I should say they, it was a slim margin, but that, that one was alarming for the fighting Irish. And then they dropped an opener 82 to 67 to Georgia tech who the Hokies dropped a heartbreaker to a couple weeks ago. And then they got it rolling versus Virginia tech 84 to 78, which was, at the time, looked like a bad loss for Virginia Tech, and really, it, it, I shouldn't say bad loss because it's a road ACC team, but it, it was not a game they should have lost. The Fighting Irish then turn around and lose seventy-eight to fifty-five to Clemson, but from the here on out, they they roll. Um, they take care of Miami seventy-one to sixty, Georgia Tech sixty-nine to sixty-seven. They lose at Boston College sixty-four to sixty-one before they take care of Wake seventy-nine to seventy-two, and Boston College in a rematch 83 to 73. So Notre Dame has seemed like they've gotten going to women's basketball now. So the Hokies, they desperately need this win badly. They have NC state twice next week because of a rescheduled So you're likely not getting one of those against the second ranked team in the country, the NC state Wolfpack. You need to split with Notre Dame, especially after losing one up there earlier this year, they probably should not have lost. And with the skid they're on right now, and two two and five in the ACC, you're likely losing two, two times to Westmore and NC State. So, although they they kept it close, they probably should have beaten top ring Louisville at home, but they did not. And you got to turn the page. The Hokies need this one versus Notre Dame this Thursday, seven o'clock on your regional sports network. Well, that takes care of the women's side of it, but the one one side we did not take care of is Virginia Tech men's basketball. The Hokies in Boston College this Wednesday night, 5 p.m. on the ACC Network. Another ACC Network game, 5 o'clock. So hopefully you're getting home from work, can settle in, and can watch that one. The ACC Network, they've been having some weird time slots for games this year. Like what, 4.30, 6.30, 8.30, 6, 8, now 3, 5, 7, 9. That's weird. But the ACC Network is new, and you got to get viewers to your, to your platform. So... Five o'clock on the ACC Network, Virginia Tech and Boston College, 16th ranked Virginia Tech. They climbed up to the polls to number 16 after their win against Duke and Wake Forest. So Boston College will be absolutely hungry for a win. They come in three and ten and one and six in the ACC. So it has absolutely not been the start that Jim Christian and the Boston College Eagles were hoping for. Mike Barber and I talked about it already. But Boston College was supposed to be pretty good coming. Not pretty good. They were supposed they were supposed to to a lot, a lot of people, they were supposed to surprise su- to surprise some people, and they have just yet to do so. They they did play a pretty tough schedule early on in the year. Let's go through their schedule real quick. It's three and ten for an ACC team. It's just you don't you don't really see it. Of course, this year you didn't have as many non conference games, but still. And Virginia Tech comes in. 11 and 2 overall and 5 and 1 in the ACC. But for the Eagles, they drop one to a Hokies common opponent, 76 to 67 to Villanova in the opener. They did take down Rhode Island, 69 to 64, fell to St. John's, 97 to 93. Did fall to Florida, 90 to 70. 
at Minnesota, which the Golden Gophers have turned out to look really, really good. Really, really good. Took down to Michigan big the other day in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, 85 to 80. This was the head scratcher. Lost 101 to 63 to a Syracuse team that just has not looked good recently. Beat Maine 78 to 62. Lost to Heartbreaker to NC State 79 to 76. Then hit their skid. Losing to, to Louisville 76 to 64. Lost to Duke 83 to 82 in a game they're leading by 10 at halftime. Lost to Virginia 61 to 49. This was the one that people were like, okay, BC's getting it going. 84 to 62 over Miami before they just lose one to Notre Dame. 80 to 70 before they come to Blacksburg. So Boston College, let's look at some statistics with them overall with their team. Jay Heath is their leading scorer at 13.6 points a game. Winston Tabs is right behind him at 13.3. Rich Kelly, 10.6 points a game. CJ Felder with 9.8. Makaya Ashton Langford, 9.2. Stephon Mitchell, who has been around for a while. Skinny, skinny number four, skinny number 41, 8.6 points a game. James Carnick, 6.6. Damar Langford Jr., 5.8 points a game. Frederick Scott, 5.3. Andrew Kenny, 1.7. Kamari Williams, 0.8 points a game, and beyond that, it is guys who have not been playing very much. I said Jay Heath leads the team in, re- in points scored with 13.6. Stephon Mitchell in rebounds with 7.2. Rich Kelly in assists with 2.2. Stephon Mitchell in steals 1.2. And CJ Felder in blocks with, how about this, two blocks a game. That's that's pretty high. So Kevin Luma, Tyrese Radford, Justin Mutz, will all need to be able to protect the ball as Felder will be coming up behind them looking to swat, to swat the ball away. Virginia Tech had a lot of blocks against Wake Forest, so hopefully it will not be the reverse against Boston College. A BC team that should be pretty hungry to win this game. This will be a big upset for come, for them to come in and knock off a top 16 basketball team on the road. Obviously, the road winning games on the road. not I shouldn't say winning games on the road, but road games are not what road games have been in years past because of no fans. But Virginia Tech will need to hold off a pesky Boston College team who actually beat Virginia Tech twice last year. So Jim Christian has yet to make the NCAA tournament since he has arrived in Chestnut Hill from Ohio a couple years ago. He has taken them to the NIT a couple of times and likely would have taken them last year, I believe, as well, if there had been an NIT tournament. So for a pick for this one, I got to go Virginia Tech. I think it's going to be a 10, 12-point win for the Hokies. Maybe I could see them stretch it out to 15 or something like that. Virginia Tech's going to want to play better. They did not play their best game versus Wake Forest. They know they can't do that every night and survive. I think Mike Young's going to have the boys ready to play. Virginia Tech is going to come out in Castle Coliseum and knock off the BC Eagles by 10 to 15 points. So, And BC will continue their skid. So definitely tough one for for Virginia, or definitely tough start for Boston College, and now it doesn't get any easier when they come to Blacksburg to face off against Virginia Tech. Well, that's going to do it for episode 20 of the Goblin Up podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. We went over a lot today. Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, and men's and women's basketball with Mike Barber, as well as Virginia Tech football. Virginia Tech women's basketball previews, a preview for Virginia Tech women's basketball versus Notre Dame, and then a preview for Hokies men's basketball versus Boston College. Kenny Brooks is going to need to circle his former his former player's name, Dara Mabry, when they face off against Notre Dame. And Virginia Tech will have to hold off against a pesky BC squad in Blacksburg. Well, great episode today. Hopefully, uh, thanks for sticking around and listening to all of our takes on everything. Hopefully, we had some good information for you today. 
We will be back this Friday to preview Virginia Tech and Syracuse, which will be at noon at the Carrier Dome this Saturday, so stay tuned for that one. Virginia Tech Wrestling will be back in action this Friday night against Virginia after the North Carolina postponement. Virginia Tech Women's Basketball this Thursday night, 7 p.m. on your regional sports network, and of course, Virginia Tech and Boston College of Men's Basketball this Wednesday, 5 p.m. on the ACC Network. Well, for Paul Duncan, our producer, I'm Carter Hill, your host and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Virginia Tech Boston College on Wednesday night, your college basketball week, your NFL your NFL playoff championship Sunday as we will crown conference champions heading to the Super Bowl. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Goblin Podcast presented by Duncan Mosna in Blacksburg. Thanks for listening. Once again, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you later this week.